0: Welcome to the season one finale of the Remembering Ethan podcast. My guest today is Kathleen Newman, Ethan's mom. It's obviously a huge honor to be able to speak with her about her son, and it's pretty easy to tell where Ethan got his personality from. Um, His his father, Brad, and his mom, Kathleen, both are very interesting and open-minded people. And it makes a lot of sense that Ethan was also interesting and open-minded. I met Kathleen once or twice uh, during my time in Phoenix, although we didn't get a chance to sit down and uh, talk much. It wasn't until about a year after Ethan passed away that I started reaching out to Kathleen and getting to know her a little bit. And then when I came to her with the idea for this podcast, uh, she couldn't have been more gracious and supportive. After the first or second episode aired, Kathleen called me and expressed some interest in coming on the show to talk about Ethan. And ever since then, I've been super excited and appreciative to get the opportunity to see Ethan through his mom's eyes growing up and into adulthood. Something we talked about when we were discussing the possibility of an interview was that one episode wouldn't be enough for Kathleen to express all of her thoughts and feelings about this topic so there'll be another one in the future Uh, but this one here was a really great conversation and um, i think that you're going to enjoy listening to kathleen talk about ethan so without further ado here's my conversation with kathleen newman (music) Hello, Kathleen. How are you?
1: I'm good, Chris. How are you?
0: I'm very good. Thank you. Just super excited to talk to you. Thank you. (laughs) You should see this list of questions I have here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm curious.
0: Yeah, it goes. Well, before we talk about Ethan, uh, there's a couple of questions that I had that I'm just kind of curious about. And, um, you know, I know you and I have been in close communication throughout this process. And you remember even from the very beginning, when I called to ask your permission to do this, and, uh, I just want to thank you for being so gracious and kind and willing to work with me on this. And you've given me a little bit of direction and I really appreciate it.
1: Well, sure. Thank you for doing it because, uh, you're helping all of us.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Great. Well, I'm sure you can tell I loved your son very much. And, uh, this is just my way of kind of honor, honoring him and his memory and celebrating his life, and I think that um, having you on board just feels great. So thank you for your time and of course you know, all of your advice and stuff. So I'm assuming that um, you've been following the podcast, yes, pretty closely. And uh, do you have any favorite episodes that you've heard? Is it hard <laughs> to pick one? Without making anyone feel bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, we can't do that. I, I love them all. You know, I love them all, uh, and I will, I will listen to all of them again. Um, I love hearing the stories from, you know, the musician brothers I know so well, and of course, I I love to laugh about uh, the funny stories about Ethan um you know that's that feels good <laughs> but uh no i appreciate it because you're getting so many different points of view and i look forward to hearing every single interview that you've done and you're going to do you know and uh it's a gift to everybody it connects everybody so
0: i just uh it's been fun for me and i'm glad that you're enjoying it too
1: i really do
0: <laughs> so um, I have a couple questions just about you. And I, I mean okay. you know, Ethan turned me on to a lot of really good music. And I'd like to think that I turned him on to a couple bands here and there, you know. Usually when I'd say, have you usually when I'd say, Have you heard this? He's oh yeah, yeah he knew. But every once in a while I'd hit him with something. What are your uh, musical tastes? What kind of music do you like to listen to?
1: Um good music is the answer. You know, which is would be his answer. Um, so I come from a family of music lovers, and uh, you know, and then of course, Ethan's dad is a musician. so I was I was listening to the radio in the car and the transistor radio in my room, just like my family was all doing and playing records since we were all really young. So my mom loved the Irish tenors and, and uh, opera and Broadway musicals. And I just loved songs that I would hear on the radio that I loved, you know, whether it was uh, Johnny Cash or uh, Doo Wop uh but then of course or the beach boys or, but then of course when we start hearing the beatles on the radio before <laughs> before they came to america or before you could buy an album we heard uh i want to hold your hand and she loves you on the radio and we would want to be driven around in the car just to just to hear our favorite songs, and especially those songs. So uh, we bought, you know, Disney albums, and uh, my mom had My Fair Lay and Sound and Music and all those kinds of albums that we would play. But as soon as I could start buying uh, my own records, the Beach Boys, and then each Beatles album we we bought our own records or asked for them for Christmas <laughs> because we just had to hear the music we loved. so um, you know that was since we were small children in my family. We always loved music and we always wanted. We always wanted to play the records. So then at some point you couldn't have just one record player in in a big family, which we had to start out with that. But it's like, no, I want my own record player in my bedroom so I can play these albums as much as I want. Um, So, uh, you know, so then, boy, as... uh, the 60s and 70s unfold some of the greatest albums ever came out during that period i would find a way to get every record or album that i loved um so i could play it on my record player and
0: and did you did you hang on to those records oh they're here Um, around (laughs) they're there so those were around when ethan was a little dude huh
1: Oh, yeah. So I we played them from day one and we would take the record player and all the albums everywhere we went, Tucson, Phoenix, Prescott, Mingus Mountain, wherever we went, we were playing records. And uh, I have I have the ultimate collection. You know, I have all of my records. I have all of Brad's records. I have all of uh, other people who loved all those albums of the great songwriters and rock and roll over the years, you know, they would leave them with me. So um, yeah, I still have them. And, you know, the real musicologists in my life will say, okay, so are you playing the British version of Rubber Soul or the American version of Rubber Soul right now? And, you know, we would have those discussions because I have all that here. Um. Yeah.
0: You know, Ethan did a really cool thing with me with the Beatles, and I'm sh- I think I told it on one of the episodes where he went through each album with me. Yes. And that was so cool to do. You know, background yeah. information, producers, how they came up with the song. You know.
2: Oh this yeah. Song
0: was supposed to be on this other album, but it ended up on this one. You know.
1: Oh yeah.
0: And now I can see where he got that fountain of knowledge from.
1: And. I have to say, because his because Brad is not here right now. Yes, he loved the Beatles and the songwriters just as much as we all did. So, you know, Ethan got it from both directions, directions for sure. Because Brad could play all those great songwriters on his guitar. so. You know, Ethan was surrounded with that love of music.
0: Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And are there any musicians in your family?
1: In my family? Um, my stepfather played drums. And uh, my brother played drums. All of us, though, who did not play instruments, um, are, are the music lovers. The You know, all of us. Mm -hmm. So, Ethan always said he he could teach me guitar or bass. It would be so easy, and I, you know, I I just said (laughs) I'd rather listen to you. You know. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So. Well, there's something cool about not playing an instrument too, because the the music still has some magic you know when you when you play an instrument it's almost like you get to look behind the curtain a little bit and um i've often wondered if i didn't play any instruments if music would be a little more magical to me i don't know i mean it is still but yeah
1: it's magical and if you listen to paul mccartney or bruce springsteen talk about it they talk about how they need us, the music lovers, just as much as we need the musicians.
0: Sure.
1: Yeah. Uh, so
0: another, another thing I was curious about was, you know, back in like the 60s, 70s, early 80s, and then current as well, what would you say were some of the, like, two of the best concerts you've ever been to? Back during that era? And then like recently? I'd say within the past 10, 15 years.
1: Okay. Uh, well, uh, I guess I just have to just list a bunch and then maybe we have to put them in categories, but uh, well, so for sure every time we saw Paul McCartney and Ringo in his all-star band and every- Every time we see Springsteen solo or with the East Street Band, um, every Bela Fleck and the tones or Victor Wooten his own band, those are just, you know, they're just so good. Uh, I did see in high school in Phoenix, I saw Santana. Um, yeah, at the old, at the Coliseum where the Phoenix Suns used to play, you know, um, and we did, we would see Jackson Brown and the Grateful Dead and the great Jon Stewart every time. Came. Um, but when I look at what the very best ones were, it, you know. Paul McCartney, Bruce Springsteen, Victor Wooten, the just, just, like, you never want to miss those. So we tried not to ever miss them.
0: (laughs) Ethan took me once, uh, Ethan went to see Paul McCartney with me once, and uh, he took me to see Victor Wooten and his brothers. Yeah. His family. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean... (laughs) <laughs> just amazing.
1: Yeah, amazing. Now we did used to we we saw the Rolling Stones. We used to go to the Who. The Who would come to Phoenix all the time. That you know, that was always a great show. Always. A, um.
0: But, did you ever uh, have? Did you ever have Ethan and tow when he was just a little guy
1: <laughs> Oh yes, there are a whole <laughs> lot of stories. There are a whole lot of stories uh, about that, which I won't tell all of them here, uh, but (laughs) Uh (laughs) no, even when Ethan was little and they would have outdoor, the big outdoor Grateful Dead concerts, you know, um, which he was glad he went to and you just did it. You just took your family along with you. You know, as I grew older, of course, I thought, oh man, that is not a place to take a small child.
2: Um,
1: but a, a lot of uh, yeah, a lot of big outdoor concerts that would come to Phoenix or any of the areas around here. Um,
0: I've taken my I've taken my son to a couple of um, concerts and shows, you know, pre pandemic, and he he was okay at them, but he would lose interest after a little while. Like did he, was that how Ethan was? Or was Ethan always? No. No,
1: he didn't, he watched people. He watched the drunk people. He watched the great bands, you know, he loved it. And then when he was in grade school, um, his dad took him to see uh, Men at Work and Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. There were several that they went to that, we we did not all go to but uh you know no it w- this family always loved going <laughs> to concerts and to live music and um you know yeah i w- want to ask him i want to ask them both well so what other concerts did we go to we just we went all the time
0: yeah yeah wow, all cool yeah and so are are you originally from prescott
1: no, I was born in Phoenix,
2: mm-hmm.
1: grew up in Phoenix. Um, so uh yeah, we always loved Prescott and then in high school a whole bunch of us uh went to Camp Easter Seal on Mingus Mountain to be counselors in the summers and um all became great friends and uh so then as people went to college and then got married and had their own families, uh, people wanted to come back to Prescott. So.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how you guys ended up there.
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: Very cool. Awesome. Well, you, you know, uh, you and I were kind of, we're talking on the phone the other day and kind of trying to figure out, you know, the organization for our conversations, because we agreed that, one show is probably not enough to um, hear your thoughts, you know, about your son. So, you know, for this first conversation, we had kind of talked about focusing, you know, on his formative years and maybe perhaps any kind of cool stories you have of him as a baby and a toddler and that kind of stuff would be very interesting to hear, I think. And so, um, do you want to just kind of, give us a, a summary tell some stories. We'll yeah. yeah. Um, well,
1: I can't, I thought about that. I go, maybe it's better that I just tell stories cause it's, it's right. uh, that might be easier than trying to sum up. Isn't yeah. Right? I
0: mean, it's, it's a lot of, yeah, there's a, I'm sure you have just, you know, a ton of memories and things, but I figured I'd just kind of let you start at the beginning and go. And then if I have any questions along the way, I can interject here and there.
1: So of course, uh, since uh Ethan's dad and I were so young and we wanted to keep camping and going places uh and we just took him along and we're playing music all the time either his dad's playing guitar or there's music in the house or in the vehicles uh none of us ever went camping (laughs) or traveling without music so you know there were boom boxes and uh uh there's just music everywhere we went. Um so you know it just thinking about uh how curious Ethan was and how he he liked all the things we liked nature, adventures, music, reading books, um So when I think about when he was little, I used to write down some of the things he would say because he would, you know, he was fearless about just trying out language, which, you know, we used to tell our students, really smart people just go ahead and use the words and they're not afraid to make mistakes. So he would try out words all the time. But uh, when he was three and four, I I would jot down some of the things, uh, especially when he was four and he went to preschool, he, he would say to me, um, you know, you always say in the meanwhile, but I want you to say in the nice while, I don't want you to call it mean." He would say stuff like that because he really thought about words, you know? And then the other thing I'll read this, uh, There was, you know, he followed uh, a fun kind of wild kid around preschool when he started going. And so um, he said, well, mom, Roddy hurt my feelings uh, today, and I want you to make me some new good ones. And so he said, could you please build me some new feelings because Roddy hurt them all? (laughs) You know he would say stuff like that that sounded so humorous but he was he really thought about language um and then one of my favorite stories was maybe he was four years old or a little older and we loved swimming in the summer swimming in the creek swimming anywhere and we would go to the y pool um and i would ride my bike and he would ride on the back and we loved the wide pool at the at that time because it was outdoors. It was huge, deep. It there were diving boards. You know, we'd stay for hours and then get an ice cream cone and ride home. And uh, we were coming up the dirt road after swimming, and I stopped for a second before we went up the hill. And <laughs> he says, "Wait." Look at that rock! And so we pick up this rock in the dirt. He said, "Yeah, that's exactly this this the shape of South America." And I said, "What?" And so I look at it, and of course, it was. (laughs) How old was he? He's about four. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, he was just that kid. You know, he noticed he noticed everything, anything that yeah. when his dad would read a book to him or maps or anything he would learn, he, you know, he would, uh, it would come up again.
2: Wow. Yeah. So
1: it was always fun (laughs) to to hear what he would come up with.
0: How about as a baby? Was he a, a pretty easy baby or? Was he a little colicky, or was he? He
1: was colicky. Was you know? I was the oldest of six, and I was used to uh, babies and toddlers. And uh, he was so cute, and we just took him everywhere. And so then, when uh, I didn't know about the colicky thing at three months, you know, Mm -hmm. so that was that, and it would just be in the evenings. Um which is a little, you know, it's a little scary for a young couple. And uh I had the um Dr.
2: Spock (laughs) on the shelf, (laughs) you know,
1: and I would pull it down and just go, No, it's okay, you know, he this is just colic. We gotta we have to kind of rock him and pat him and uh but we did He did go to Mingus Mountain when he was six days old. And uh, there were just generators there. There was no phone. And luckily, he was a healthy baby. And um, there were two great camp cooks that we just loved. And they loved us. And they knew a lot about babies. So (laughs) they, they helped. They helped a lot. Uh, with a six-day-old baby, you know, up in the mountains.
0: How was Ethan with food when he was a little dude? Like, was he picky or was he adventurous? Yes,
1: yes which was so surprising. So surprising that he was picky when he was little. Um, and he has great theories about this that he developed over the years. But we were like, well, wait, we cook everything and we go to Mexico and we cook Mexican food and um, we go camping and it like the being picky, just, it was like a surprise. So, you know, and it was when he was little, as he grew, as he grew older through grade school, it did change, but um, no, he would want, you know, cheese crisp and apple juice or peanut butter sandwich in his lunch box and an apple or something, Uh, but he could explain later because in big families, there's usually another picky eater among all the, um, you know, the great cooks and the people who will try every spice and kids who will try every vegetable. He said it was a matter of texture. So when he's little and I make some, you know, cauliflower and broccoli and rice with cheese on it it was uh it was the texture of the vegetables that he when he was little he had a hard time with.
0: (laughs) well he wasn't alone
1: yeah he wasn't alone but you know his uncles on all sides would just go man when you're a little older we're gonna take you out and you're gonna eat a big hamburger and uh you know, with kids, you have to be patient. You just have to be patient w- when there's things they don't like. And um,
0: Sure. Yeah. And what about, like, was he, a, was he a troublemaker? Did he listen to you? Did he get into mischief? <laughs> did, he climb, did he climb on he was, shelves? He
1: was smart. He was smart. We were young, and he knew how to talk to his father and talk to me, even at a young age. So he would make a joke about, oh yeah, big punishment. I have to go to my room? Are you kidding? I have my books, my Legos, my models, his Star Wars stuff later on, you know, his cassette tapes. Like, And then he didn't have to listen to any of the adults arguing about anything. You know, he could go down and play with his toys and look at books and play music. Uh, But he did... Uh, when he was in grade school, and he would see a kid in the store, um, you know, throwing a tantrum to to get a toy or to get candy, he would say to me, he could verbalize it even as a young child, saying, "Mom, I used to try that with you to see if you would buy me." The toy gun or the candy, and I knew you were so nice. I thought I could, you know, if I cried and and threw a fit, that you would give in. And now I want to tell you thank you so much for not letting me turn into a brat. <laughs> he would, he could, so I could say it to first graders. I could say, you know, who used to throw a tantrum when they were little to get. Toys or candy? Did it work? Oh yes, it always worked. Who doesn't do it anymore? And some kids would raise their hands, and then I'd say, "Who still does it? Because it works." And kids, kids would raise their hand. I go, "You know it works, don't you?" (laughs) But he could articulate that. He knew he was manipulating me um, when (laughs) I was young and he was young. And
0: (laughs) I guess that's part of having a smart kid. He he knows. Having a smart kid.
1: And then, you know, even really smart, loving parents have to take a few parenting classes about, gee, how do you shape behavior in a different way? Because because we don't you know, we don't like tantrums and we're not going to buy toys and candy and we're not going to have brats. And so that was an adjustment, definitely. But he knew it all along.
0: Now, you mentioned first graders. Uh, your career, you were a school teacher. I taught
1: career. first grade, yeah, for 30 years. Um, oh, cool. Yes. And uh, Ethan used to say, I was finishing my degree when he was in second and third grade. And he used to say, You know, I didn't think that much about teachers. And I didn't think until I saw how hard you worked and how much you cared, then I changed my view of
0: teachers. (laughs) (laughs) You said that in second and third
1: grade. Uh, It might've been fourth grade when he said that. Yeah. But, uh,
0: and already thinking that way. So young.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He, he, you know, like he said to Tony King, he noticed what adults were doing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you know what, uh something that's been a common theme and something that I noticed, and you and you've heard the podcast where I ask people, you know, what did you take away from Ethan? What did you learn from Ethan? You heard Mike Mercer say that he had a teacher's soul, and that makes a lot of sense, knowing that he grew up with you being a teacher and and probably watching you t- did was he in your first grade class?
1: No, no, but also his dad, you know, watching his dad lead people and teach and give speeches and uh uh so he watched it all over but um no when I I was substituting a lot in his school when he was in fourth grade I helped in his school a lot it was a family school and then um when he was in fifth and sixth grade and Stephen was his best friend, and they were in another hallway. I was teaching first grade. So the fun part was they would be in my hallway serenading us with Ethan on saxophone and Stefan on trumpet. Aww. You know, my first graders were like, oh, those big kids, um, they're playing music for us. And then when I needed help, you know, passing out treats or scooping ice cream for somebody's birthday in first grade, then they would come in and help. So they were, you know, they were really cool guys that the little kids in my school would look up to. Mm -hmm. Even to the point of when the fifth and sixth graders are leaving the cafeteria and the first graders are coming in to eat and then they're going to the playground. Ethan used to say, you know, mom, your students are chasing us like we're the Beatles.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: but it was, it was so, so fun in a family school where there are so many families with the teachers and all the kids to have Ethan in the other hallway. I just tried to stay out of his business. That's all. <laughs>
0: When you say family school, what what is a family school exactly?
1: Well, it it was a public school, but it was just a a very happy, fun school with great teachers. And then all their kids went there. So, um, you know, that just, it made it a really fun place to work. And uh, we were all looking out for each other.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Uh, You know, when I brought him to my classroom, I was just amazed at how quickly he got the kids' attention and how well he gave his presentation. And you know, the next thing I knew, the whole class was playing a song with him. He had his bass, and they all had shakers and stuff that he brought in. And I mean, it was just it was just amazing to watch. You know, and now so that makes a lot of sense to me where he got those skills from. You know, I mean, he was coming in you know, third, fourth grade into your class and, and working with kids and, and loved kids. You know, I, I mean, also a bunch of people have told stories about how good he was with their kids.
1: Yeah. Yes. He was, um, you know, the, the first born in the two families. So he loved his cousins and, uh, and he loved our friends, kids and, You know, he he liked he liked being an only child and he always had plenty of kids to play with. So um, Mm -hmm. maybe in another chapter, we talk about when he when he came back from his Department of Defense tours.
2: Yeah,
1: he would come to my classroom and pull down the world map. And show the kids all the places he had been and what the people were like in each country. And that was always really fun. But maybe we save that for another time.
0: Sure. Yeah. I, I, um, uh, first time that I saw his world map in his house there with all the thumbtacks in it, you know. Yeah. But, uh, Ethan, you gotta be kidding me. You've been all these places. <laughs> and then he, you know, tell me stories of his, Travels playing for the military and and just in general and his friends that he had in France and, you know, it was just I was always just so amazed, you know, that he was so well traveled and. Yes. About so many different cultures and. Yeah. So so obviously, you know, I bet something that people will be curious. Well, something I'm curious about um, is his love for astronomy. Is that something that. um Manifested pretty young or when did you notice him? Yes. Yes.
1: Because we would, uh, we loved astronomy and, you know, all the big families I knew, we all went camping Mm -hmm. when we were younger and we would take our, our astronomy books and sleep out under the stars as Brad would say. Um, you know, all our families did that. So we were used to doing that and then going to Mingus mountain, uh, for so many summers and here in Prescott and in Rocky point and on Mingus mountain, uh, you know, you can really see the stars. So we were doing that as he was growing up, we were camping under the stars in many places and, uh, he just as with many <laughs> with many topics in many areas he just continued to read books and become more and more interested but um
0: at about what age was that that he would start
1: well from the very beginning from well. the very beginning because we were going to Mingus Mountain every summer and then we're camping out and uh we were always outside and going somewhere so you know it's that thing of if you if you want kids to love music or want to play instruments then you just start right away as it's a part of your life and same with books and the love of nature and animals and camping and uh and looking up so I would say it was his whole life um but what I noticed <laughs> as a mother is all the areas where he took off and read more and learned more. So then at some point I'm asking him all the questions uh, and that happened in, in many, many ways as he was older. I would, he knew the answers to my questions which is pretty fun. Um, Uh, Yeah.
0: How how about toys? What were some of his favorite toys when he was a little dude?
1: Well, we all love toys, like love toys. Um, So (laughs) yeah, so really we would buy him the Fisher Price toys. Um, Of course he loved Legos. Uh, any musical toys, building toys, and then, you know, when when you be when you were when you all were little and became aware of Star Wars, then all the Star Wars toys um, and books, musical toys, games. Uh, now, now, the funny thing is. Um, when I was little and when Ethan's dad was little. Yeah, we all had toy guns. And we had, you know, I had the whole cowgirl outfit and a holster and all that. When I was little, it was just those, they they were just toys. So then when Ethan's little and we're, you know, we're all peacemakers and I didn't buy him toy guns, which was a mistake, you know, because then what? Well, we would have squirt guns. That was great. But just like most kids, if you don't let them play with toy guns, they're going to find them or make them or collect them. So we have these big boulders in front of our house. And I still will find in the dirt, hidden under boulders, all kinds of toy guns that came from somewhere, you know.
0: He'd take them and bury them outside so you wouldn't find them.
1: Well, yeah, and it was just. (laughs) But when I thought back to it, I go, no, we had secret agent guns and cowboy and cowgirl guns, and it was no big deal. They were toys, you know.
2: Sure. Anyway,
1: so yes, he did. And he he loved swords. He loved anything that had to do with Batman or Spider Man. And so. You know the costumes, um, swords, lightsabers, um, and then models, models of uh, of every kind of jet. You know he did study. Stefan can tell you, Brad can tell you, he studied every plane and jet for a long time. Really, and oh. and read every rebook and dreamed of being a pilot and, uh, and, you know, and then later on, he could tell you anything. He could tell you everything about anything that was in flying overhead or in the sky. And in those military tours with rock and roll, he got to be in wow. many of those incredible Jets and apache helicopters and you know I don't even know the names of them all, but it, it, he had a a period in grade school where he was he was the expert on every anything a pilot would fly he knew about uh and so we did talk about that that um you don't have just one dream um. Like when I grow up, I'm going to be a musician or a pilot or a teacher. You have the dreams get you through different periods and you have lots of them and they change and you don't have to do just one and you can learn about a whole bunch of them and then do something else. Uh, he was a great example of that. Sure. Yeah. And so, you <laughs> know,
0: obviously I want to get into when he started showing an interest in music, but you know, based on some of your other answers, I would think that, like you say, it, you guys just always had music around them. So, I mean, was there any pivotal point in which you recognized that music was special for him, or was it just like any of his other interests?
1: No, well, it was every day for all of us, it was every single day. We played music every day, of, you know. Uh, either Brad playing the guitar leaving the guitars out and then Ethan as a small child you know messing around with them and touching them and playing them and uh, and then we played those great albums every day (laughs) we didn't live without music so that was that was forever the question always was well gee do you i guess you have to wait till fourth grade to choose an instrument to have you know to have your instrumental music teacher teach you but it was just daily life a way of life and there were musicians would come here to uh play with Brad, you know, and play outside, and we're going to concerts. So it was all the time. And so, yeah, so Ethan was always writing songs, making up rhymes, writing poems, making them up singing. And uh, of course, so was his dad. But, uh, uh, you know, so it was fourth grade when his uh, teacher came to me and said, well, you know, he's um he's kind of obsessed with nuclear war and Gorbachev and, and he and he wrote a song, We Don't Want No Nuclear War. And it was a pretty good rock and roll song for a grade school kid.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: and then it's time went, you know, he and Stefan wrote a lot of songs together. And they could be sarcastic or they could be satire, but Other people didn't realize it. But I was thinking about this. Um, You know, here, there are so many people who have horses. And there were always girls who love everything about a horse, drawing horses. And so they wrote a song in grade school called Pony Girls. And (laughs) it was about (laughs) all the girls in school that they knew who, uh, you know, who who loved horses and having toy horses and drawing horses. And, you know, they did things like that quite often, their little parodies. And they were funny songs, you know, and people laughed. But, you know, it was <laughs> it was their way of having their humor together. Um,
0: did any, did any of those ever make it to like a cassette tape or anything? Did they record them?
1: Well, there are. There are cassette tapes from fifth grade where they would do radio shows. And Stephan and I have talked about this. Maybe I can find the cassette tapes. But they would go downstairs with the tape recorder and the microphone. And uh, uh, Ethan was President Reagan and Stephan was the interviewer you know the reporter yeah it was a comedy show and so it would be well president reagan how do you how do you like your steak when you go out to dinner and he would go well you know it was just (laughs) it would be these little comedy shows uh and then they would listen to Cheech and Chong or any of the comedy they could listen to and then try and do their own shows.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> so I don't, I'm not sure where all of that is, but Stefan has vivid memories of things they would record together.
0: <laughs> I'll have to ask him about that, see if he can remember any of the skits those would be be so cool to listen to
1: okay so then one story is uh, and maybe I told you this one before but so as Ethan's growing up when he's three and four he can recognize Bob Dylan or Joni Mitchell or the Beatles or whoever we were playing on the record player or the stereo he was quite aware of all of that Um, and then of course just loving the Beatles and playing the Beatles the whole time. But I distinctly remember that for his June birthday, when he turned eight, um, his dad got him a little red. It looked like a little red boom box with a handle, but it was, uh, you know, a radio with a cassette player with the speakers built in to look like a little boom box and a brand new, chuck berry's greatest hits cassette and so ethan hadn't really heard all of chuck berry before we had a buddy holly phase of course in there but uh so he gets the chuck berry's greatest hits and he just listens to one side flips it over listen to the other side over and over and over again and uh it's june so i wanted to go to my jazzercise class anyway and we would take our kids along so he brings ethan brings the uh the little boombox with the chuck berry song the chuck berry cassette tape and then of course he hears my ding and then he's playing it for all the boys in the neighborhood And you know, they would just laugh and laugh and laugh. But that so when he was eight years old, he had his Chuck Berry period. (laughs) Um
0: at eight years old, huh?
1: At eight years old. And then I could tell him, well, Ethan, when in Phoenix when I was 18, I went and saw Chuck Berry at one of the Phoenix or Tempe nightclubs. Mm -hmm. Um and uh I shook I shook his hand. He's a great. You know, gee, the Beatles love Chuck Berry, Ethan, and he was great rock and roller. And I got to see him play and I got to meet him. And uh...
0: I bet Ethan thought that was cool.
1: Oh, yes. Oh, yes.
0: <laughs> now, you know, it seems like he was just, you know, with just him being interested in so many topics and being able to articulate his feelings and having, you know, a wide vocabulary at a younger age. What, did he gravitate toward, toward I know Stefan was his age, but did he gravitate towards older kids or did he like hanging out with kids his age? Because it seems to me like his critical thinking skills and, you know, his vocalization stuff might've been a little bit farther ahead from maybe where Well, yes.
1: Yeah. So a lot of people will say, um, Yes, Ethan was an old soul or, gee, he could carry on a conversation as a child or a young person with anybody, any age. Um, and he did, you know, he could do that. But he, yes, yeah, so he could talk to little kids, but he could talk. He could ask adults about any of the things he was interested in. Um And that was his whole life, that he could talk to anybody any age um, and have a conversation about something. The great thing about when he and Stefan became best friends in third grade was, and maybe we all know that feeling where you go, oh, I found my intellectual peer and my comedy peer and person who loves books and music and humor and nature as much as I do, you know. And so I was so, we were all so happy because they had each other and they, they could speak the same language and like the same things. And, you know, that's not everybody has that in life. That's just uh, the greatest thing.
0: Yeah, it's very special.
1: Very special. Um, so, but no, he would have, yeah, he had discussions with all his teachers along the way on certain topics um, or uh, or other friends. So he, he did always have that ability to, you know, with aunts, uncles, older kids to talk about certain topics.
0: And so his ability to, you know, communicate with with any age group, you know, and be able to, like, articulate his feelings and show his personality, I would assume that he came across teachers that uh, he didn't mesh with very well. Like, how did he handle (laughs) it? (laughs) How did he handle it? Because, you know, you you being a teacher, you know, they're not always on the same.
1: So me being a teacher and then – all of us being here in prescott where we kind of know a lot of people at every school and you know um, some teachers like the witty funny guy right and some don't and some are really entertained ethan ethan still has teachers who just always adored and would just were very entertained very entertained by him and really enjoyed him and others who were, you know, quite annoyed with him. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, you know, we could tell, he could tell right away if it was, uh, a, a teacher he loved who just want, yes, wanted, they wanted to laugh at jokes together and have discussions or ones who were just like, just, just annoyed. So, uh, you know, he's pretty smart, so he he knew how to ask questions to get people off track, maybe, or, you know, um, and he would describe it to me from time to time as he grew older, and I just, I just said, you know, and, and then his dad, of course, would tell him how he would get kicked out of a class for talking too much or wanting to put on a comedy show and then would find the teacher who could direct that. And a lot of comedians have talked about that, uh, finding the teacher who would say, okay, if you can get your work done and not drive us all crazy, you can have the last period of the day to do the comedy news or do your stand-up or whatever. Uh So there were teachers in brad's life who did that with him and then there were teachers who yeah they 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 wanted ethan to come to the front of the class and rewrite a song or do a comedy show or something um and then he just had to uh be quieter in the classrooms where that was not enjoyed or appreciated uh but in high school and i and i know for sure in community college and at asu ethan knew how to ask questions to steer the topic in the
2: class
1: <laughs> and then i go yeah i have a job to do i'm teaching first grade and i have my own life i i i can't know what he's i want kind of wanted to know what he was doing in another classroom and then i go no not really somebody else has to deal with that i, I that's not my business.
0: <laughs> at any point, did you ever get calls from the school from him getting in trouble?
1: Well, uh, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> uh, not, you know, he could find adults at each school who really liked him. So let's put it that way. Um... um Yeah, they're (laughs) high school is a different story uh, because, well, they just they just knew how Ethan and Stefan and a lot of smart, fun kids just knew how to find the adults who liked them in each school. So I did get the call about, yes, he's he's worried about nuclear war or uh, he's worried about. Uh, he talks a lot about um, marijuana in in small group settings or, you know, it, Ethan brought up any topic and some teachers would call us because they because they knew us.
2: Uh-huh. Um,
1: but he and Steban had their own way. Everybody had their own way of uh, maybe doing some wild things at school that, you know, nobody really could pinpoint who who was doing the pranks
0: sure they were smart about it yeah strategies strategized <laughs>
1: yeah or the, you know i just told the story the other day of in high school um ethan he read every book and so when a teacher who didn't know called him in to say i I think you cheated on this test, and then you know Ethan had to say, "Hey, my friends are sitting behind me. They did not read the book. I'm the one who read the book, so I'm not the one who was doing the cheating." I, you know, he couldn't he couldn't uh, s- s- tell on his friends, but it was like, "Whoa, no, you got the wrong person. You have the person." who did read all the books and did all the writing, you know. Um, So that would happen from time to time.
0: Did he ever get caught like playing hooky or sneaking out or anything like that?
1: Uh,
0: Or was it pretty good in that way?
1: Well, you know, uh, his dad would want to go on a three day weekend to the Grand Canyon and take him. So they would make a homework assignment out of, Writing, and I just stayed out of it, writing a letter to the nice teacher that everybody know knows saying, yeah, um, we're going to have this learning trip, so we're going to miss school. Ethan's going to miss school on these days, but here's all the learning that's going to happen on this trip. You know, that would happen uh, when when his dad wanted to take him on on a camping trip on a school day or to the going to the grand canyon or something like that and uh, you know i just had to stay i was going to school that day teaching in my class so i just thought well okay they have to handle that that's yeah but you know uh senior year in high school is different because yes there are days where they go oh we're all going to the creek to clear creek where you went and uh i you know i don't know how they i don't know how they explained it away or made up the time uh but you know somebody knew that well if ethan and Stefan and these other kids were absent they went somewhere <laughs> <laughs>
0: right and I think I think that's kind of like a rite of passage, though, right? Seniors, sure. have a ditch day. I remember in my high school, the administration made a big deal. You know, we heard ditch days this day, and you guys better not. And they'd stand outside and make a big show. But you're, you know, uh, I grew up in a small community as well, and so after, even after college, uh, the principal that I had in high school admitted to me that. They just put on a show to make it seem like a cat and mouse sort of thing, but they had no way
2: yeah.
0: of stopping us or, you know. Yeah. So that makes sense.
1: It does. It so, does.
0: So he's, so around fourth grade, fourth, fifth grade, he, he gravitated towards the saxophone, towards horn. He what? chose
1: saxophone for fourth, fifth, and sixth grade for instrumental music. And, of course, Stefan was already playing the trumpet. He was dedicated. His in his family, the dedication to musical instruments. It's really a wonderful thing. So he was already um, yeah, playing and choosing and, and studying the trumpet. And so then Ethan went, okay, I'll take the saxophone for now.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And uh, they would jam downstairs and then, of course, when men at work were popular and there was saxophone in a lot of fun songs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That helped, but it was kind of like, well, okay, this is the instrument for now. Um, And then seventh and eighth grade were, was, was junior high at the time. And his teacher wanted him to keep doing saxophone, even though he was already, he was probably all ready to play the bass by then.
0: But why the bass? I mean, is it something that he was always curious about? And did he focus on bass lines? As <laughs> he did? did he?
1: That's a good question, and he really educated me when I asked that. Now, there was a bass around the house with uh, his dad's other instruments. You know, there were always lots of instruments around: uh, acoustic guitar, twelve-string guitar, banjo. But uh, when Ethan's dad was in seventh grade, he had a kit where you build the base, and he played it with some of the older friends when he was in junior high. So there was that base in the house, uh, which is still in my house. Um, but when as eighth grade was about to end, and then Ethan and Stefan, we're gonna. They were gonna go into high school, and the high school jazz band was a big thing. And usually, freshmen were not in the high school jazz band at that time. And they were already getting ready to. Uh, we're going. We're gonna go. We're going together, and we're gonna go be in jazz band when we get to high school. And so, uh, I was hoping Ethan would still play the saxophone, but once he, you know, once he started playing bass here and there in eighth grade uh and then was ready that was gonna be what he wanted to start all the high school bands with and the big jazz band. And um so I said, well wait a minute, why aren't you choosing electric guitar or lead guitar? And that and that's where my education of the bass guitar started was eighth grade Europe. Uh, eighth grade Ethan, saying, oh, all those songs you love, Mom, and all that funk you love, and Marvin Gaye and soul music, and Paul McCartney and the Beatles and everything. He goes, it's the bass. It's the bass. And then I can't remember the whole speech, but uh, that's the part in the music I want to play. And you do. You have a special thing with the drummer. And it's, he just explained it to me, he goes, that's the part of music you love, you love the most when you love funk and rock and roll and soul music. Um, And, uh, and then he, you know, and then as time went on, I learned, (laughs) I learned more about, oh, it's not the lead guitar you know, all these bands, I love some, oh yeah, it is the bass in the Beatles, and hmm, and then he just, he got better and better at it, and then they did, they started going to see Bela Fleck and Flecktones with Victor Wooten when they were in high school, and they went to see Rush when they were in high school, so I really, it just changed my view, because I always thought, oh, he'd pick up electric guitar,
0: right.
1: you know, yeah. Um, and so it was, it, that was just so fun. That was just so fun to watch that. So like, wow, it goes from just picking it up and trying things at home because these instruments are lying around to taking some lessons and then making it your most important thing in school. You know, which still to this day, some people don't understand that kids have to have music right. at every grade in school to keep them interested in going to school and doing all the other things. But it was everything to them. Um, and, uh,
0: and so did he take, he took bass lessons?
1: So freshman year. Um, And see, he had a plan, but there was um, an older student. Maybe the student was out of high school and he was known at the, you know, in this town um, or at the music store. This was somebody who was a good bass player and who was older. So maybe it was one year. Maybe it was just one year of um, some lessons or not even one year. And then, um, you know, <laughs> thinking about it, and when parents would ask me over the years, um, but the thing was, I we never said, oh, it's time to go practice your instrument, or you, you have to practice some music now, or, you know, that's the homework, you have to take time. Like some people would have to be told with the piano, you have to go practice the piano before you're
2: Yeah,
1: Ethan's whole life, he just played music and wanted to play music and try things. Not once did I ever say, oh, you have to go rehearse that song or practice. You have to have some practice time. No, because he was always trying things out or he and Stefan you know, they would hear, they they would just go downstairs and try to recreate all of Paul McCartney's music on whatever was downstairs, you know, uh. so it just seems like when he was really playing bass in high school in the beginning, yes, he took some lessons and then they were just practicing and jamming and playing and trying things all the time in our downstairs and, uh, and then, you know, taking as many classes as they could and being in as many bands as they could. And it just got better and better and better. Um, and I just watched it happen. I never said, oh, it's time now. You better spend some time on your instrument. I never said that once. Wow. Yeah. No, it was all self-motivated. It came from inside of him. And he really he yeah they were they were trying things out all the time
0: I saw a picture once of Ethan maybe around 11 12 and he's got an acoustic guitar this way <laughs> and there's like a little group of kids sitting around him and uh, oh that, that
1: was the USSR oh
0: that was, really, that really. was
1: oh fresh tell in me about air. that
0: tell me about that
1: well you know, he was—he <laughs> was always interested in the whole world. He was interested in grade school. He was—he was, he was uh, interested in Gorbachev. He was interested in Russia. That uh, list he made when he was twelve about things I want to do in my life.
0: Oh yeah, you got to show. Oh, you it share was go
1: go to the USSR, go to Leningrad. Well, and then it turns out when he was fourteen and a ninth grader. The high school teachers and the parent group say, okay, we're going to go, you know, we're going to go to the USSR. So that's 1988, 89. Um, So anybody who wants to go start raising your money, you know, we're going to have meetings. These are the parents and teachers that are going. And it was like, what? I was, I was just you know Ethan could go yeah we we'll we'll get the money we'll raise the money um don't worry about it mom you know and his dad helped and we all go to the, all the meetings and there there was a group who went in June when he was 14 turning 15 so that's June 1989 going to the USSR wow <laughs> yeah And so, um, you know, Stefan's sister and a lot of people who were on that trip will say, yes, we went to all these places where the teenagers in Russia really wanted to see us and talk to us and be with us. And it was music, you know, it was singing American rock and roll or the Beatles that would connect them because the Russian teenagers and the and the Prescott teenagers did not speak the same language. So then of course, yeah, Ethan, I don't know if somebody gave him or he bought a folk guitar in Russia <laughs> and he started teaching himself stuff on the acoustic guitar. So he could play and sing the Beatles for these, for the Russian teenagers who knew all the words to all the songs, all the Beatles songs. Every Beatle album. So if he could come up with, which he had to learn them fast, old Beatle songs on an acoustic guitar, which was not one of the instruments he normally played, then he could get the, the two groups could all sing together and hang out together, you know. So that picture is from Russia, probably from what was kiev which was the ussr back then which of course now is kiev ukraine you know but in 1980 so um yeah there's there's still some friends of ethan and Stephens from that trip from 1989 who have stories about how they communicated through through old Beatles songs.
0: Those would be cool stories to hear.
1: Yeah, really yeah. remarkable. Uh, really remarkable. How
0: about with, uh, you've you heard people mention about, you know, his backwards and upside down playing. Do you know why he never tried stringing the guitar left-handed?
1: Well, so it starts out with, uh his his dad played right-handed yeah. and so all the guitars in the house are for a right-handed player so um he just flipped him over he just <laughs> yeah he just flipped him over and he figured it out and you know he he had the brain that could do that which i you know over the years I would just watch people walk into a gig of any band and go up and stare and go huh (laughs) which was always funny but the difference being when um when ethan was uh 20 years old and in as as is then he earned the money to get the six string left-handed modulus made for him Mm -hmm. so when he's older and music is his career yes he could he could restring he could uh, have bass guitars the way he wanted them or have them rebuilt or have them made which that happened many many times but growing up until that point where He was gigging regularly as a young man and making money um, and could have something made for him. He spent his whole life taking an instrument in this house or in any house and just flipping it over and figuring it out. Uh, And then I guess I I just got used to it. That like, okay, if there's a song he wants to play, there's a song he likes, he's gonna figure out a way He's
0: gonna figure out a way to play it. That's <laughs> <laughs> so
2: cool. Yeah. How
0: about like towards the end of high school, you got to start making your just you know some decisions, start charting your path, you know. And I know he went to ASU and and got his uh, degree there at ASU, but uh, was he ever like indecisive about what he wanted to do? Was he always pretty confident about? You know, the path he wanted to take, did he consider other careers before he landed where he did?
1: Well, like it's you know, the the obsession with being a pilot, that was fifth grade.
2: Uh-huh. No,
1: in high school, he knew. At, well, in junior high, he knew. I'm So even though he got a degree in history and world religion, right. uh-huh. he, he knew, he wanted to be a working musician. He wanted to play music. So I don't know if he told you the story, but his senior year in high school when he's 17 and their jazz band is just terrific, just wonderful. The jazz band at the high school played everywhere and we just loved, we all went to every concert. Um, Their teacher was Mr. Bradstreet and it was just a fantastic jazz band. But when he's 17 and a senior in high school, one of the local country Western bands that's some of the guy, you know, families knew some of the families, they needed a bass player and they're really popular and they played whiskey row and they traveled around and somehow through all the families, there's uh the message that they need a bass player. And Ethan said, I'm going for it. And uh, we said, or I said, you know, you they play Whiskey Row. They play Billy's Western Bar on Whiskey Row. They're adults. Um, you're 17 and in high school. Yeah, I can do it. We'll figure that out. You guys can write me a note which we did, which meant nothing that says we are the parents and we're allowing him to work on whiskey row, even though he's 17 and in high school. And he, um, you know, he went for it and they said, yeah, come join us. And so he's, <laughs> you know, that was, it, it was rough in one way. Cause it's like, how is this going to work out? And then I go, you know, there's no stopping him. I could say, you can't do this. He's going to do it. And then it was like, well, George Harrison played when he was 17. And I was, uh, you know, and it was. It was like, I don't know how this is going to happen, but it happened. And so then. Yeah. Now, the funny thing is that, that you know, Ethan's really loving Metallica and Rush.
2: Right.
1: And uh, not so fond of country music <laughs> not so fond of country western music even if it's um you have some garth brooks and johnny cash in there and some country rock not his favorite music but to get a paying job so he goes you know all the things he made fun of he goes he gets out his cowboy boots his cowboy belt he buys some of those um really colorful Wet cowboy, sh- we called them cowboy shirts, western shirts. He, <laughs> You know, his dad always had cowboy hats. Well, Ethan goes and gets a black felt, brand new cowboy, and he joins he joins the adult gig- gigging country western band that plays Whiskey Row every weekend while he's 17 years old. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that that decision was questioned many times by many people. I don't know that there was any way to stop that from happening. Um, But it was like, no, I, I, yeah, I want to be a musician and play music. And that's not my favorite music. But boy, it's a paying job playing music and being in a band really popular band with a big following and so it was like okay here we go
0: <laughs> the first of many bands that he would be in
1: yeah do you have any yeah. pictures
0: of him with his cowboy get up
1: oh yeah oh yeah
0: <laughs> I, want to, I want to see one of those yeah.
1: oh yeah no and they had t-shirts they had t-shirts made i'll show you all that stuff they okay. it was pop nothing fancy <laughs> nothing fancy and they were very popular and um you know so we learned how to country swing and then we'd all go I go oh man I can't believe we're not going to hear a rock and roll band we're going to hear a country band because (laughs) because he's the bass player yeah wow some
2: things
1: are just bigger than some draw you know it's just so hard to know there's a drive in your child that's bigger than Mm -hmm. there you know but no he no there was no he didn't wonder he knew he could write it down when he was 12 years old I want to be a professional musician and make my living that way and see the world you know
0: well speaking about that I wanted to kind of uh, visit that again a little bit, but before that, I wanted to say that um, you know it's just fascinating hearing from your point of view. Obviously, you know his progression from a little little dude to a musician, and all of the you know his wit and his personality and his ability to conceptualize things at a very young age, and it's just amazing to me that you guys were able to, you know, and how lucky he was to have you as parents and be in that situation where that sort of thing was fostered by you guys, you know, cause he very well, he could very well have been born to people who were, you know, like a stick in the mud or whatnot. But in your opinion, do you think that Ethan, no matter, you know, who he had been born to, do you think he would have had a sit like, Aside from it, if you guys hadn't been so cool, you know, in quotations, it's so cool, which, you know, constitutes a lot of different things. But do you think that he still would have had the personality he had? Or do you believe it was because of the way that you guys <laughs> wrote him? Well. Which is difficult to say because you think... never know. But
1: Okay, but don't, you know, like, uh, I think his dad was born the way he is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Natural leader. I was I was born the way I was. I mean, don't you see that in your kids? Of course, there are these things that you really do encourage and you nurture, but in some ways, a lot of it, they're just, they're kind of born that way. And now, yes. So then you have somebody like Ethan born in a place where I love music and I love to encourage it. And his dad wants to drive him to every rehearsal and practice and gig and hang out with the band and jam and so there was it was only encouragement there was no discouragement wow. at all
0: awesome you that know really cool.
1: but we all know musicians who uh, you know nobody else in the family was that interested in the music right. or
2: yeah. them
1: playing But it just was like, no, we loved I wasn't sad that we weren't watching him in football or soccer. I was so happy that we had the concerts to go to and we had the band families and he had his best friends and we all loved, you know, going starting in fourth grade, going to every one of those concerts. It was so much fun. But, yes, he had two parents who encouraged it and really liked it and enjoyed it. Um, So it's hard to imagine. But he knew what he wanted to do.
2: He knew what he
0: wanted. Kathleen, thank you so much for all the time that you've given me. And um, I know we're going to talk some more in the future, and I can't wait to hear more. But you've just done such a wonderful job of helping us see Ethan as, you know, a little guy and what he was into and um, just how intelligent and awesome he was as a little kid and how you guys fostered that. Um, but before we end our conversation tonight, I was wondering if you would be comfortable sharing that list that you told me about a few weeks ago that you found that Ethan wrote when he was, sure. was like 12.
1: Like yes. 12. You know. Yes. I'll read It's right here. I'll read it. Um, And then I want to say, Chris, you know, uh, so let's say next year when you get to talk to Ethan's dad, he's got a better memory about all the um, little bands along the way that he Mm -hmm. would drive Ethan and his friend to their practice or, you know, carry their... Their gear, or um, he's got his whole piece of that as a musician, dad. Um, which we hope to hear next year because he will remember so many joyful parts of this story that, um, that I can't could because for him, the greatest joy of he had us you can imagine this, that you're a musician and then you have a son who's a musician that you okay. can foster this and then play together. Mm-hmm. That, that's a whole other piece of the story. So.
0: Sure. Yeah, I yeah. hope that I get to have that conversation with them because, you know, and yes. those little details, you know, I love, like Stefan was so good at, uh, you know, n- none of his episodes have aired yet, but, you know, when they do, I mean, they're amazing because he just oh, has... Yeah such a good memory and he's able to, you know, give the details of all the shenanigans he got into and all the things (laughs) that he remembered about Ethan. And,
2: and so it adds that
0: way. I mean, I, again, I could just listen to him go on and on with details. I love that stuff.
1: Yes. I think the main uh, idea is we had so much fun. We had so much fun along the way we never wanted the fun to stop we even had friends who just said what are you going to do when he graduates from high school what are you going to do with your lives because he's been your fun all this time yeah yeah. so yeah so would you like me to read that list
2: please yeah Share that
1: okay it was an assignment in junior high and seventh grade so Ethan was twelve, and it was a whole make-a booklet of uh, some of the jobs your grandparents or great-grandparents had, and what are your goals in life, and um, you know things like that. It, I think it was a regular seventh-grade assignment. So then, sometime last year, you know, I'm I'm finding Ethan's writings and his drawings, and then I find this assignment from seventh grade. And uh, this was just one of the pages. And it's just so lovely and great. So um, so the question was, uh, what are your personal goals for the future? And he writes at age 12, I have many personal goals for the future. Here are some. Number one, get a job. Number two, get a car. Number three, get in better shape. Number four, become the best musician I can be. Number five, think more. Number six, study more. Number seven, get a degree to be something. Eight, be a professional bass player. Wow. Okay, that's age 12. Be a professional bass player. Number nine, marry, M-A-R-R-Y. Number 10, buy a house. Number 11, read more. Number 12, resolve my inner conflicts. Number 13, resolve my outer conflicts. Number 14, take better care of myself. Number 15, go back to the USSR. He hadn't been there yet. <laughs> Number 16, live in Leningrad for at least one year, 17, leave Prescott, 18, leave Arizona, 19, be a good father, 20, be at peace. Wow. So,
2: it's
1: so well, a pretty, a... pretty yeah. great list. It is. Yes.
0: And weren't you telling me that? he accomplished everything, but like one or two of those things in his life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You
0: no. Know? Um, <laughs> it's just amazing.
1: We just love it. So, um, yeah.
0: Thank you for sharing that with us, Kathleen. That's such a beautiful, Thank
1: You, Chris. you're welcome.
0: Yeah. And thanks for talking to me and I love you and this was awesome. And I can't wait to do more.
1: I love you too. you know, I used to say the the joy of my whole life is being Ethan's mother, and uh, you know it is It's my joy I to be his mother and to watch and watch him grow and get to do the fun things with him and it it brings me joy every day. so
0: it's great. yeah. And, you know, before we say goodbye, I want to thank you so much for trusting me with this project. Um, I've thought about it a lot because I've been asked a lot. And a lot of people are are grateful and they have gratitude for me doing it. And I appreciate that. But um, I'm not sure. I, I mean, aside from the fact that I was already talking about Ethan with some of my of our mutual friends and enjoying the conversations immensely, you know and thinking about him and missing him and just reveling in my memories of being with him. And I don't, you know, i would never thought I wanted to do a podcast or that, you know, that wasn't anything that I had ever thought about. And I couldn't, I couldn't pinpoint exactly why I wanted to do it, but you know, that's, that's a big ask, you know, to have someone call you and ask you if, Hey, can I talk about your son, you know, with all these people and, and I just really appreciate you trusting me and 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 helping me with it. And um, it's it's very meaningful to me, and it means a lot to me. And I'm just so happy that you and Ethan's family are enjoying it, and that you're a part of it. So thank you very much. I really appreciate you. You're your
1: welcome, and, and thank you. It's a gift to all of us, and it's a it's a great way to. Um, to just love the joy about him and uh it's it's healing and it, uh, we love being connected to all these people who love him so thank you for doing all the work.
0: Of course. Well, thank you for talking to me.
1: Okay. <laughs> I,
0: uh, all we right, look, yeah.
1: for, we look forward to uh season 2.
0: <laughs> all right, awesome. I've got some great guests coming up. You're going to love it.
1: Okay. Good night, Chris.
0: Good night. Thank you very much. Talk to you soon.
1: Love you. Okay. Love
0: you. What an amazing conversation with Kathleen, and what a special way to end this first season. I have a ton of thoughts and emotions right now, uh, but I think I'm going to keep them to myself to avoid seriously long rambling session. All I'd like to do right now is thank Kathleen for being a part of this and allowing herself to be vulnerable enough to give us all uh, a glimpse into Ethan's life. As I reflect upon this first round of conversations that I've had about Ethan, I'm just blown away at all of the thoughts, feelings, and memories that people are sharing with me and it's fascinating to me how, a- how Ethan was able to be so many things to so many people. And as many of you know, Ethan was a very, very special person, and I miss him dearly. I look forward to my future conversations and to learning even more about him, and uh, I hope you'll join me as I continue on my quest to learn more about him. After our conversation, Kathleen reached out to me and asked me to share some a uh, couple of thoughts that she had about our interview. The first one is that she wanted me to make the point that they moved back to Prescott one year uh, when Ethan was one year old because Brad got a wonderful job there um, that he was actually at for 47 years. And the second thing she wanted me to mention was that there were A few stories she didn't get to during our talk and she wants me to assure you that she will get to those stories in the future as always thank you so much for following along with this podcast i hope you're enjoying it and i hope that you'll return in uh, the first week of january to uh, keep going along with me in season two i'd like to end the show today with a song that kathleen requested off of Jay Poole's album, Almost Eleven. And the song is called Swamp Thing. And she told me that the reason she chose this song is because she really likes Ethan's bass playing on it. I hope all of you have a wonderful holiday season and that you're safe and happy. Thanks for joining and we'll see you soon.